Welcome, welcome, welcome to My Thing Is This podcast. Each week, it's real talk about what's happening in our world. Nothing phony, nothing fake, but real talk. Because my thing is this. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. Stay tuned, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. You ever wonder what makes people think and do the things that they do? The reason why I'm asking that question is because over the past year and a half, two years, we've had a pandemic. We've had a rise in racial I guess prejudice. We've had a rise in police brutality against minorities. We've had a crazy election. We've had an insurrection. We've got supply chain issues going on now. We've got vaccine mandates that are taking over the news. We've got people just really going crazy in front of our very eyes. And it makes me wonder, what is really going on, man? Um, It really makes me wonder what's really going on because I see people that seem to be normal and sane making some really, really, really crazy decisions. Um, saying some really, really crazy crazy things. Just doing some stuff that just makes you scratch your head and say, and say to yourself, are they serious? They can't be serious about this right now. They can't be serious. As John McEnroe once said to one of the chair umpires in the tournament, you cannot be serious. But I guess people are. I had an opportunity to be on the Six Man Podcast, my man, my brother Kevin Williams podcast, and we talked for an hour and a half about a lot of topics. We talked about um, Kyrie Irving and this this vaccine mandate, you know, the sports talk media, the way they're getting personal now. We talked about Dave Chappelle and The Closer which has got a lot of steam. And, you know, I don't know if it's rightfully so, but um, a lot of people, I think, went into his, the closer, with their minds kind of made up. And I think it started out with sticks and stones, especially the LGBT community. Um, A lot of people... Well, I ain't going to say a lot of people, as Kevin pointed out. A small group of people didn't like what he had to say about the LGBTQ community in his show, The Closer. I watched it. I watched it several times. And one of the things that really stood out to me about Dave Chappelle was there was a he's performing what we call a master class as you know, we've got master class out here now that people can sign up and take. That's done by people that have been there and done that. 
sharing their thoughts and secrets on how to be successful in cooking, tennis, whatever. But he's doing a master class right now in how comedy has now can now be transformed into a social lesson. You know, for the longest time, comedians have been the truth tellers of our society with a touch of humor. Comedians have never shied away from what's going on in the world. I mean, from going all the way back to Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, and even before them. Comedians always told the truth about what's going on, but they told the truth about what's going on in the world with jokes. So Dave is taking it, Dave Chappelle, in my opinion, is taking it to another level where he's dropping knowledge in it with punchlines. And so it's going from the straight up jokes to now he is dropping gems on people. And I think a lot of people, even including those some that were against him speaking or saying what he said about the LGBTQ community, but I think a lot it went over a lot of people's heads. You know, he said, I mean, you gotta you gotta really go through and dissect his documentary, um, and really approach it with an open mind, and just listen to what he's saying. Yeah, he drops a lot of n bombs, a lot of b bombs. You know, I I personally think he can be funny without all that. Um, and bombs and B-bombs. But think about some of the things he said. You know, one of the things he said is, he says, I have a problem with white people. He has a problem with racism. And that's really the crux of what his show was about. It was about racism and how people are treating people unfairly. And so he told the story of his transgender friend, um, Daphne, and how Daphne was just one of his biggest fans. And Daphne, every time he went to the Bay Area and had a show, Daphne would be there every night in the front row cheering him on, laughing at him, laughing at his jokes, everything, cheering him on. And he also talked about how Daphne wanted to be a stand-up comic himself. And so one particular time he was out in the Bay Area, he asked Daphne to open for him. And he goes on to tell the story about, you know, how Daphne pretty much bombed um, for that short amount of time he was on stage. And he said the amazing thing about it was, was that Daphne didn't care that he bombed. He said Daphne, you know, he said most people, when they bomb, most comedians, when they bomb, they're ready to put their hands down, slide out the back door and be gone so they can forget about what just happened. He said, but no, Daphne came off stage, took the seat in the front row like he normally does, and cheered Dave on and did all these things and was actually having a conversation with Dave. And then all of a sudden, someone from the back tried to heckle Daphne and because Daphne had a, either dyed his hair blonde or had on a blonde wig, and somebody asked, is, is, is the... He says, is what your head, something to the effect is what your head is the same as the same as the carpet on your private parts. And Daphne turned around and calmly said, No, I have hardwood floors. And just 
Dave said it just cracked everybody up in, in that place and loosened the lightning mood. And he went on to say that after the show, Daphne stuck around and he said Daphne was really funny and was really, really a funny person, a really, really nice person and chopped it up with him and all these, you know, big names in comedy and stuff like that. And he said that, you know, when the LGBT community start riding him on Twitter, Daphne was the first person to come to his defense. And to paraphrase Daphne, one of the things that Daphne said was that Dave is an artist. He doesn't punch down. He doesn't punch up. He punches lines. And went on to say some other very extraordinary things about Dave in that tweet. And the LGBTQ community could just maliciously drag Daphne on Twitter. And I think it was six days later or something like that after that tweet, Daphne took his life. And Dave and a lot of people believe that it was because the LGBTQ community dragged Daphne so hard that it caused Daphne to want to take his life. I think Daphne probably had something going on already. Um, and I think that dragging probably precipitated it or helped facilitate it um, to a degree. And so Daphne died and Dave went on to say he felt bad about that. And he went on to further prove his point that even within that community, it can still be vicious. You're still punching down on someone in your own community. Now, of course, after all the fervor of that weekend when it premiered was done and everybody had something to say, I remember the guy from the National Black Justice Organization, which is an organization um, for the, I guess, rights or justice of gay, LGBTQ, black people, right? And so this, this gentleman went on Roland Martin's show and basically said, I watched it twice and just went in on Dave. And, of course, Roland, you know, held his ground and so on and so forth. But what I found interesting about that is, is that I went and looked up that organization. And they got a website. I think it's NBJ, National Black Justice something, NBJ something dot org. And on their website, I went to the front page, I went to the news releases, I went to all these different places I could go to on their on their webpage. Now, when this man came on Roland Martin, supposedly representing National Black Justice Organization, but on their website, there was nothing formally written that I could find condemning Dave Chappelle. And I found it interesting. I'm like, so you're speaking up and so on and so forth and the organization that you lead or you're a part of doesn't make a statement at all about Dave, but you get up representing the organization and make a statement about Dave. Okay. All right. Miss me with that one. So fast forward, I find YouTube videos, you know, I'm a YouTube fan. Um, I subscribe to a lot of content that is informative content. I got a couple comedy contents that make me laugh. I also got 
you know, some spiritual content. Um, if you got children and even adults that love um, Bible stories, you know, little four to five minute Bible stories and need some animation with it, there's a YouTube um, character called Douglas that does a lot of scriptures and Bible stories. He's a puppet. And I used him when I teach Sunday school at my church. Very, very nice. But anyway, so I subscribe to a bunch of stuff on YouTube. And so I'm on YouTube looking around. I see an interview that Flame Monroe did. Now, Flame Monroe is a comedian as well. Um, a long-time comedian. But Flame Monroe also is transgender or identifies as transgender and is part of the LGBTQ community. So Flame came on, I think he did an interview with Don Lemon on CNN, and he also did a couple other interviews. And I can't remember which YouTube video was a part of the interview. So I'm, I'm listening to Flame, and Flame said it <laughs> so, so brilliantly. He said this. He said, listen, I got three horses in this fight. He said, first of all, I'm a comedian. I'm a black male. And I'm also a black male that identifies as transgender. So he said, I got three horses in this fight. And he said, basically, in a nutshell, that he didn't have a problem with what Dave said in the closer. And he also pointed out that there's also um, a lot of infighting and punching down within the LGBTQ community. So conversely, there was another YouTube video I, I came upon another black comedian who identified as um, LGBTQ. Um, and he said he had been a comedian for 20 years, had done shows with Chappelle and some of the biggest names. And he said this particular show he did was on a luxury cruise liner. And he said he was one of the comedy acts on the show. And he said as part of going on that cruise and doing that show, he was comped um, a suite, one of the high-end suites, I guess on the top level of the of the cruise ship. It was where, you know, a lot of the, the rich folks, the, the, the high-end suites that the rich folks stay in on this cruise ship. So he said he arrived on the ship and had his bags and was going to his cabin to get settled. And he said there were, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a cruise basically for, the LGBTQ community. So it was nothing but members of the LGBTQ community on the, on the cruise ship. And he said, as he walked through the corridor, the hallway, going to his cabin, he said, you should have seen some of the looks and sneers that I got from a lot of LGBTQ um, people that were staying on that same hallway or that same area um, that he was get that he had his cabin in, and he said so. He goes on to say all that and says a couple other things and basically says he rocks the show, right? He blows the show out the water, and then suddenly those same people that were sneering at him and snickering at him as he walked to his room before the show are now gawking all over him, and that's when he went on to say that. You know, that's a lot of racism within the LGBTQ BTQ community. And so I've heard somebody say, well, LGB, LGBTQ people want to be minorities as well and so on and so forth. But it's kind of difficult 
to really stand up when there's a lot of stuff going on in, in that community that they bash others for, but then they turn around and do themselves. There was another video somebody came out with about the same thing. This person's LGBTQ and they end up experiencing, I mean, real serious hate from within their own community. And it was relentless. And I remember somebody talked about how when the LGBTQ community goes after people, especially on social media, it is just relentless. It is vicious. And so sometimes we have to look in the mirror and really say, and I remember, you know, I was on the six man podcast and Kevin was very distinct in saying, who are all these people that were outraged over Chappelle? Right. And because I, I find it interesting because it was like the Super Bowl was stuff going on the weekend of the closer. You had the closer going on and then you had Kyrie's going on and Stephen A. Smith is spending so much time on Kyrie all going into the weekend into the next week. And then, and over the weekend you had John Gruden who on company email talked about the Morris Smith's lips called in the Michelin man lips that got leaked on Friday. It was known Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders knew this on Friday. Why he didn't suspend John Gruden for Sunday's game and allowing the coach is beyond me because it's kind of hard when this stuff breaks that you're going into a locker room with men that look like Demore Smith and you're going to coach them. Really? He should have been suspended. And I guess the NFL and Roger Goodell and the other owners got pissed off and was like, okay, so you don't want to do anything to John Gruden? Okay, we're going to release the rest of this stuff. Well, you talk about uh, the LGBTQ community, you talk about women, you talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, and we're just going to open the floodgates. So now Mark Davis has no choice come Monday afternoon, breaking news on ESPN, John Gruden has resigned. And then from what I understand, he resigned and released a statement or was being interviewed about it, and he was like, you know, I'm sorry, this, that, and the other, and then I'm going to answer no other questions about it. It's like, Really? And then crickets. It was crickets for the rest of the week on that whole Gruden thing. You didn't hear anything from anybody. I don't believe the LGBTQ community released any statements or said anything about Gruden the way they came after Chappelle because he was quoted on in those emails, company emails now, that, oh, we got to draft queers now or queers don't belong in the NFL, right? Now, mind you, it's the same head coach that about a couple of months previous to these emails being leaked, had a player, not a Michael Sam trying to make the team, a player that's been in this league for several years now, and pretty decent player and called the seed, who actually finally came out and identified as gay. And he's still playing with the Raiders. He's still playing with the Raiders. And then you come out and do that, so... I'm sure Carl's reaction was like, what the F? Really, coach? And so the fervor around Carl has died down. I mean, it was it made news. But my question is, where is that community on Gruden? Not a peep. 
I'm like, wow, that's interesting, right? And then on the ESPN side of the fence, Ryan Clark hit it out the park, or like he always does. Booger, Marcus Spears, all the other folks, Dan Graziano, Greenberg, all these folks, they 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 laying it down. Randy Moss came on TV and cried, right? But the loudest voice on ESPN of them all, Mr. Stephen A. Smith, spent all week on Kyrie. Going after Kyrie. Because Kyrie's not playing. Because Kyrie is hesitant about getting the vaccine. I mean, this went on for almost two, three weeks. And it's like every time the Brooklyn Nets come up in a conversation, he got to go to Kyrie. It got so bad that Kyrie finally spoke on an Instagram message and said what he said. I'm not retiring. I ain't quitting. He said, I was given assurances before the season started that I was going to be able to get an exemption. And that didn't happen. And so now I got to go back and regroup. And, of course, the Nets have made the decision not to play him at all because it's a New York City or a New York State that has the mandate that everybody going into these big arenas and everybody doing all these things in the state has to be vaccinated. And so that's why he can't play uh, in Brooklyn in the Barclays Center. But he could play in D.C. He can play in any other state or city that doesn't have a mandate like New York has. and But the Nets have decided that we don't really want a halftime player, so he's going to sit. Um, Bradley Bill hasn't gotten vaccinated. Michael Porter Jr. hasn't gotten vaccinated. And these are high-profile players. Andrew Wiggins got vaccinated, but he felt that he was forced um, because it was either get vaccinated or you're going to lose your money. So he felt forced, so he went ahead and did it. But listen, everybody has their own personal choice. And I believe that Kyrie has made his choice. And I think Kyrie is fully aware of the consequences um, for that. And he seems the man that's going to stand up and live with those consequences. And more power to the brother. I just don't like the fact that people are coming after this dude and getting personal like Stephen A. Smith. It got so bad. Stephon Marbury chimed in. And basically, and this is what sports writers hate in my observation over the years. Stefan was basically saying, leave that man alone. And he also said to paraphrase him, it's funny how someone who never played football or basketball or any pro sport at this level has so much to say about another person that has actually played the game. And most for most sports writers, that sets them off. That sets them off. It's kind of like how basketball players want to be rappers and rappers want to be ball players. I think sports writer also sports writers also want to be ball players. And so he clapped back at Stefan and then got personal and had to go talk about the Vaseline incident. Now Stefan years ago was going through something where he was playing here in New York, in the States here in New York. Shall I say here in the States in New York? And he was going through something, mental health. And shout out to Kevin Love and, and others who have came out and been supporters and proponents for mental health. 
they're not the first though. Uh, Nick Anderson was probably the first one I can remember. Nick Anderson, Elanzo Magic, that actually publicly expressed issues with mental health, with depression, back when he was playing with Orlando, and sought help for it. And he was able to continue his career on. Uh, but I think Nick was the, Nick might have been the pioneer. But I think Kevin Love and others have really brought it to the forefront in this current time. And shout out to Nick. Shout out to Kevin Love and all those guys. <laughs> but Stefan was going through something. This is probably mental health. He was going through something, right? But he said, you know what? I'm done with the U.S. Let me get myself together. And the guy is a icon in China. He got a statue in China. He's made more money in China than he ever made in the NBA. And he's a cultural icon in China. Dude got a statue in China. So Stephen A. goes on to go into the Vaseline thing and all that kind of stuff, clapping back at Stefan, right? After this goes down, I think Stefan might have said something else. And then all of a sudden, he slides into Stefan's DMs. You know, bro, I respect you, bro. This, that, and the other. We only be fighting like this. Don't go slide into somebody's DMs like that after the fact. When you know they're going to probably post it, just don't say nothing about anybody. I mean, I just... Sports journalism has gotten to a point now where it's just it's bothersome because people are getting too personal. Report on the game. And that's why I like shows like Get Up, where they got Rex Ryan, Ryan Clark, Bart Scott, and um, Dominic Foxworthy, these other guys on there, even Greenberg himself, where if you suck playing, they're going to talk about you suck playing. They're not going to talk about what you do in your personal life. They're not going to call you selfish. They're not going to call you all this other stuff. Like Stephen A. went in on Kyrie. They're going to talk about the game. If you suck in the game, they're going to dog you out because you suck in the game. Like, for instance, Mike McCarthy felt Rex's wrath. You know, with, with some of the decisions he made uh, a couple of weeks ago, even though Dallas won, some of the decisions Mike McCarthy made were just like, and Rex Ryan was like, this is stupid. Rex was dragging him. For that, Ryan was dragging him. But they wasn't dragging Mike about anything personal. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't anything personal. It was his coaching on the field, right? They didn't get anything personal about what he does in the locker room, whether or not he's a leader of men, whether he's selfish about his personal character. They just talked about what they see in between from end zone to end zone, sideline to sideline. That's what they talked about. They didn't talk about anything personal. So I just, I don't like it when these guys call people out of their names. That's why I'm really disappointed in Shannon when he was doing the playoff P and the polyester P thing for Paul George. Because these guys are grown men. They're grown men with feelings and emotions and everything else. And so you need to recognize that. People need to recognize that. Just because these guys make millions and millions of dollars, these guys are gifted by God, I believe. I truly believe they're gifted by God to be able to run, jump, dunk, shoot, throw the ball, catch the ball, run the ball, hit the ball, throw the ball, slap that puck. These guys are gifted by God with those talents. And there's a premium for them in professional sports, and they get paid a lot of money. But that doesn't mean these guys are bulletproof mentally. Look how many guys have gotten this money and have blown the money or drug themselves out the league or eat themselves out the league or after they got the league have gained so much weight and lost so much money and so on and so forth. These guys are human just like everybody else. 
And so when you go in on these guys, man, it, it hurts. It hurts. And I like when people do documentaries on themselves and, and let you see the inside of themselves and what they got going on. Kobe's thing, when he was going through the Achilles rehab, that was eye-opening. I just got a chance to watch Passion Play. Shout out to Russell Westbrook. Um, it's on Showtime now. And it really opened my eyes up to a lot of things about Russell Westbrook. And so I was grateful for him for, for doing that documentary because uh, you got to see what drives him to be him. You know, you got to see behind the curtain about the relationship with him and Kevin Durant and some of the things that went down. So everything is not what you what you believe it to be. But anyway, this is my first podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Thank you for being here. Peace. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. And be sure to tune in next week. Hit the like and subscribe buttons. And again, thank you very much for tuning in. So the next time someone says something, this, ugh, tell them my thing is this. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. Have a blessed week. We out.